Hello, friends. Welcome to The Health Ranger Show. I'm your host, Mike Adams, The Health Ranger, the editor of naturalnews.com. And today we're going to be talking about Chinese medicine. And joining us in the studio today is the co-founder and the president of the Asian Institute of Medical Studies, a Chinese medicine school located in Tucson, Arizona, that teaches people how to be really good Chinese medicine practitioners. Alex, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Now, you founded this school several years ago. Can you give us a brief history of, of your school and why you got into why Why did you want to run a Chinese medicine school in the first place? Well, I had been working at other acupuncture schools, and I noticed that um, when you're teaching to 60 students, sometimes the information you're trying to convey is not always um, picked up because there's so many students in the class. So I decided that I would create a school that was small and eclectic and really focused on dialogue and communication between the students and the faculty so that the students could actually get some of the more difficult concepts that Chinese medicine has to convey. Is that a real challenge here in a, in a Western society for people to come in and, and be able to embrace some of these Eastern I have found that it can be challenging for some individuals. Many people who have been sort of primed by Western medicine um, tend to think in that sort of linear manner. And traditional Chinese medicine is more circular, it's more fluid. And so kind of getting those individuals to embrace that model can be a little bit more difficult. But I can guarantee they always get it. They always get it. They always get it. And what kind of training is required for someone through in your school to become a practicing Chinese medicine doctor? I don't know that the word doctor is really used. Yeah, doctor is really not used. In China, we would be considered doctors. But here yes. in the West, that is a connotation mostly you know, designed for bi the biomedical you know, people. Right. So for our school, we have two degrees. We have a degree that's a master's of acupuncture. And that's three years full-time study, but you can take up to six years to do that part-time. And then you have the Masters of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, which is a three-and-a-half-year program, but you can take up to seven years to complete that. Does that, that include herbology? The Masters of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine includes the herbal component, yes. And uh, pulse analysis is always part of it? Everything, yes, pulse. the whole thing. Wow. So we teach the full um, curriculum and Currently, we have a 100% passage rate on the national exam. All our graduates are doing well in the field. So I think our model for creating a small eclectic school that fosters real good communication has actually worked quite well. Yeah, I, I, I know many of your graduates who are practicing around Tucson. Yes. And many, some have moved to other cities and opened up practices there. So yes. apparently, it's, it's a very successful model. So far, so good. <laughs> That's great to hear. Now. What about differences between, let's say, your school here and how traditional Chinese medicine might be taught in, in China? Can you speak to some of those differences? One of the main differences is that in China, when you go to traditional Chinese medical school, you do a lot more Western medicine in the course of your study. That's interesting. Yeah, because they would like to see much more of an integration between the Western biomedical, you know, concepts and the TCM concepts. And so you generally go to school for five to six years when you get a degree in um, medicine in China. But how do you integrate Western pharmacology with Chinese medicine principles? They seem to be at odds most of the time. 
I think they are at odds in a conceptual manner, but I think if you look at the underlying premise of the energetics of what pharmaceuticals do, we look at the energetics. Is, is a Western medicine hot? Is it cold? Does it cause stagnation? Does it move chi? And so we translate that into our particular paradigm, and therefore we can assess what Western pharmaceuticals do within the body. Hmm. And is that assessment, I mean, are there some pharmaceuticals that are useful with Chinese medicine? Or are most of them considered just treating symptoms? I mean, what what's the point of view on that? In, in your own words. Yeah, so how does that work? Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where West, there are different aspects of Western medicine, pharmaceuticals, that can be very beneficial. You know, I would not want to say that people should stop taking their Western medicines. You know, it's one of those things where if you're, work, if you're on Western medicines, you want to make sure that if you see a TCM practitioner and they suggest that you wean off slowly, that you work with your physician so that both people can be working together, the Western doctor and the Chinese practitioner working with the client to sort of like see how the best type of therapy can be fostered. And so sometimes Western medicine is exactly what people need. And sometimes Western medicine is exactly what they don't need. And I think it's the dialogue between Eastern and Western physicians that really is going to clear that up now and hopefully more so in the future. And, and that dialogue, it seems like, is taking place with greater frequency. Yes, now. the dialogue is taking place. There, there, more and more MDs, in fact, are learning TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, these days, aren't they? Yes. Um, many physicians that I know have done short courses that are designed to teach Western physicians particular components of traditional Chinese medicine. Uh -huh. More designed for neuromusculoskeletal conditions, say. Oh, interesting. And so they can do some really good work in that regard. But there aren't that many physicians who are doing the long courses, which are generally, if you're a physician, you can do like our three-and-a-half or, or three-year acupuncture program. A physician can do that in probably about two years because they don't have to take any of the Western medicine. Mm -hmm. right. But it's hard to find physicians who are willing to do that. They would rather do a short course and learn some tools that they could actually really use in their clinic, but it's not the depths of traditional Chinese medicine. But it's a step in the right direction. It is a step in the right direction, yes. I've always found it interesting that, that Western physicians, when they go to test traditional Chinese medicine, this is a bizarre exercise in reductionism, but they're always, let's say they're testing acupuncture in a, a clinical trial. They believe that it, it's only the points that matter, not the intention of the practitioner. They kind of throw out the art of acupuncture and just say it's that point and that's it. Do you think that in uh, America today that there's beginning to be more of an understanding that acupuncture is not, it, it's more than just a needle in a point, it is intention, it is artful? Yes, so yes. One of the things I do when I teach physicians the basic theories of traditional Chinese medicine, and we talk about this reductionist paradigm, things like this. And so I always throw out the question to them. I say, you know, you want to be able to measure and weigh and qualify and quantify. So I say, well, tell me, how much does love weigh? If you can tell me how much love weighs, then I've got some growth to do. <laughs> but generally, I don't get a real 
you know, succinct response. And so it's the same kind of thing with traditional Chinese medicine. It works in realms that are not easily quantified. Right, right. Or, or, or isolated. Even. That's true. Many yes. Chinese medicine works holistically. Exactly. Exactly. It's mind-body medicine, and it incorporates the entire spectrum of mind-body, all the feelings, all the thoughts, the intention, intuition, as well as the physical body and the energies of the physical body. Do you ever step back and just think how amazing it is that much of that system of medicine was created thousands of years ago? Yeah, <laughs> I do step back and think about that, and I wonder, how did they do that? Yeah. And I really don't know how they did it, except I think... One of the little um, clues I get is that back then they were much more in touch with nature. They were much more in touch with the energies of the general field of the planet, the plants, the animals, the weather. And I think when you're more in touch with that general sense of being alive on the planet and all the components of what that means, that you're more in touch with a greater perspective and possibly deeper understanding. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like you can learn everything you need to learn from observing nature if you pay attention. If you pay attention. <laughs> All right, folks, you're listening to an interview with Alex Holland, the co-founder and president of the Asian Institute of Medical Studies. You can find them online at asianinstitute.edu. They're located in Tucson, Arizona. Come on out. Hey, check out the school yourself if you want to become a student or a future practitioner of Chinese medicine. And stay with us here on the Health Ranger Show. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll come right back to continue our interview with Alex Holland. Stay with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Health Ranger Show, where we are continuing our exclusive interview with Alex Holland, the co-founder of the Asian Institute of Medical Studies in Tucson, Arizona, at asianinstitute.edu on the web. They train people how to become traditional Chinese medicine practitioners teaching both acupuncture and Chinese herbalism and other modalities that are part of that art. Uh, now, what about uh, accreditation? That's, that's always a, a challenging issue in non-traditional medical studies. I know your school is accredited. How does that work in the U.S.? Um, I can only speak for the model that we have for our profession, you know, and how we accredit our schools. And I think it's pretty similar in other professions, chiropractors, physical therapists, things like this. But the way it works is that you have to have a school up and running for two years before, and graduate a class actually, before you can actually apply for accreditation. Mm. And the first step is candidacy. And when you apply for candidacy, they have you do what's called a self-study, which is an internal review of all the different components of what your school is about. If the Accreditation Commission accepts that self-study, then they will send what's called a site team out to make sure that what you said in the self-study is actually, in fact, true. So like on-site inspectors. You betcha. And they're <laughs> usually like three or four that'll spend like two or three days at your school. Really? I have done probably eight or nine site visits. So it's really kind of a fun experience because the schools learn a lot. It's sort of like a peer review. Mm -hmm. And it can really help a school get their 
ducks in a row, things like this. And so then the site team will make a recommendation to the accreditation commission that the school should be accredited or achieve candidacy and that um, the different parameters that they need to follow in order to upgrade their systems. And they'll usually get candidacy for like three years and then they do the process all over again for accreditation. Wow. And usually accreditation lasts anywhere from three to seven years nowadays. So this is quite a, a long journey. Yes, from, it is. From launching a school to receiving full accreditation. Yes. So it means that being accredited is worth something. Yes, I think so. It gives your school credibility. Well, with that said then, why do so many states in this country still refuse to recognize Chinese medicine practitioners as actually being involved in healing at all? I mean, you know, to say that you're a healer is almost a violation of law in many states. I think it has to do with the consciousness of um, many of the governing bodies within those specific states. Mm -hmm. I would say that many states welcome traditional Chinese medicine practitioners. Yeah. And because it's still an evolving field, because it's really only been around 25 years in the United States, people are still not that familiar with it or comfortable with it. So again, it just takes time, repetition, more public presentations, education. The main thing is education, educating the public as well as TCM practitioners. And that education seems to be working because more and more states are always uh, embracing yes. this system of medicine. This is true. Maybe someday the insurance industry will too. <laughs> Who knows? Well, very slowly the insurance the insurance industry is embracing, but it's just taking longer time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it is happening. What about the public? And I noticed that when many people look to Chinese medicine, they bring an allopathic viewpoint to it. They don't come in and, and, and say, oh, I want to revolutionize my diet and my lifestyle and be healthy from the inside out. They say, I have a knee pain. Can I use needles instead of drugs? Yes, you know, this is true. Yeah, this, yeah. But you know, the thing is, that's a very good beginning. You know, it's a yeah. very good beginning. Again, it's an educational thing. It's really that experience. Once they experience that, wow, my knee felt a lot better when you put all those needles in, and I have better range of motion, and you told me that I needed to do these two things as well in terms of my diet and range of motion for my knee, things like this. And so it gets people to start thinking about, hmm, maybe there's more to this medicine than just needles. Maybe it has to do with lifestyle, mm. dietary recommendations, movement, meditation, all these different components of the medicine which haven't yet grabbed the public's view like acupuncture has. Mm -hmm. But it is a slowly evolving process. And I believe that it eventually will occur. Yes, and it, it is a journey. I think that Chinese medicine practitioners, in a sense, have more of a responsibility to educate their patients or clients, whatever term you use. Because when someone goes to visit a Western doctor, all they really expect is a pill to mask the symptom. But when they go to a Chinese doctor, they often have a higher expectation. This is true. Yeah. One of the things I like about traditional Chinese medicine is it's a working relationship with the client. And we give the client responsibility. You know, you are in this life to be present and to do your work. And so therefore, one of the things you need to do is to take responsibility for that work. Take responsibility for how you live your life. And that is one of the keys in traditional Chinese medicine is working with the client so that they embrace their life and you kind of, as a coach, assist them in moving forward in that process. That must be why this profession is so rewarding 
to, to the practitioners. I think that's a large part of it. Most of the people I know who practice traditional Chinese medicine love it. They have great relationships with their clients. You know, it's, it's just it's a win-win situation. What are the requirements for someone to, to join your school? I mean, do they have to have uh, four years of college or anatomy and physiology classes? What, what's required to start? Um, for our school, we require two years of college at um, you know, junior college or college or university, a school that's recognized by the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. We require also that they take 90 hours, literal clock hours, of anatomy and physiology and college-level chemistry, biology, and microbiology. And that's before they even apply? Yes, they can apply and take some of those things while they're going to school conditionally, but they have to complete all those requirements before the end of their first year. I see. So they can go to school in two places at the same time, a community college or the university, and also start their education at our school. And then once they're in your school, um, obviously there, there are many years of practice. Are, are the students practicing needling technique on each other? Yes, that's how they start. Um, we wouldn't want to have them start on the general public. No, you know? no. We'll let them start on each other first. So usually it's at the end of the first year when they have studied all the meridians and the points and the theory that then we have a class that goes on for one year, three quarters, on needling techniques, cupping, moxibustion, different modalities that are used to help bring balance back to the body. And when they're about halfway through that and they're needling each other in that particular class, mm -hmm. then they start working in our clinic, but they start working with advanced practitioners, third-year students, things like this. And they assist them, and then slowly they start needling the clients when they feel more comfortable. So it's a gradual process. And I think that really works well at our school. Our clinic is actually quite full. Mm, yes. So you have... Uh, clients coming from from the public here in yes, Tucson. Yes. Yes. And they are uh, what, paying a reduced rate to be part of the student clinic. Yes. The student clinic charges thirty dollars for a treatment. Less that's, than half price. Yeah, probably. it's a pretty good deal, and that's for a first office call, which is usually an hour and a half, and return office visits, which are about an hour. Wow. Now, if someone needs herbs, that's extra. But usually, an herbal formula that lasts maybe four or five days would cost about 15 to 20 25 dollars at the most you know in comparison to many pharmaceuticals that seems like a very affordable fee it's a bargain <laughs> it really is a bargain yeah okay we've got to take another quick break here and stay with us folks we'll be right back to talk about eastern herbology with alex holland the co-founder of the asian institute of medical studies in tucson arizona which you can find online at asianinstitute.edu so check it out and we'll be right back after this break with more And we're back here on the Health Ranger Show, continuing our exclusive interview with Alex Holland from the Asian Institute of Medical Studies, a Chinese medicine school in Tucson, Arizona. And Alex, you are also the author of a book that's been well-received by the naturopathic health community. I don't even want to use the word alternative because I don't think that applies anymore, but the naturopathic or Chinese medicine community. The book is called Voices of Qi. And folks, you can find that book in bookstores everywhere or online at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and other places. Can you tell us a little bit, Alex, about this book, Voices of Qi? I wrote the book because I wanted to educate the public. And the book was written specifically in lay terms so that people could grasp the underlying concepts of traditional Chinese medicine. This book is used extensively um, at different massage schools, shiatsu schools, 
It's used by Andrew Wah's program in integrative medicine here in Tucson. It's what I use to help teach the physicians. And it's just a really good book because it lays out some the basic principles of traditional Chinese medicine in an easy-to-read format. What would you say are the top three principles of Chinese medicine that, that maybe Westerners would not be familiar with if they hadn't been introduced to them? You know, the, let's say the average American health consumer being in this media and this health system, this healthcare disease care system, <laughs> is not familiar with these three concepts, what would they be? Well, I think one of the major concepts is that the body runs primarily on energy, and that energy is, um, in Chinese medicine, we say qi. And so one of the main principles of traditional Chinese medicine is that if you regulate the energy of the body, the qi of the body, that it helps to regulate the tissues of the body. So we work with the needles and with the herbs to help balance the energy of the body. And so when you have balanced energy, it helps to create balanced tissue. So that would be one of the main things. And the other is that there's balance in the body. Balance needs to be achieved through not only working with a Chinese medicine practitioner, but also, again, I'd mentioned this earlier, taking responsibility for the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. It's not just that a TCM practitioner can fix you. You have to be working with them in a partnered relationship in order to elevate the quality of your health. So that would be probably the second thing, involving the clients. Mm -hmm. The third thing, maybe the power of Chinese medicine in terms of the needles and the herbs. How potent these small needles can be in terms of their influence on your energy system. And also the inherent nutritional and vital energy of herbal medicine. It can really kind of turn around different conditions and really help to nourish and strengthen the body. In talking about the power of, of the needles, I read clinical studies about acupuncture, uh, usually for pain management is the typical case. And every clinical study that I've seen shows it to be very, very effective for pain management. And yet, Western doctors always seem astonished. They seem to be in disbelief that these needles, this placement of very fine needles, could produce this kind of apparent healing effect in the human body. So they, they see the studies, but in terms of their own philosophy, they, they don't readily accept it. What's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Good question. Either the right? studies are, yeah. are telling the truth, or you have to throw out all double-blind placebo-controlled trials. Right. I think the studies are pretty accurate. I think the studies are indicating the future. And the future is that needles can do wonders for a neuromusculoskeletal pain, you know, and doctors need to be able to embrace these studies and acknowledge that um, this research is valid and accept that into their mindset. I think more than anything, it's not accepting the idea into the mindset that needles placed strategically in the body can reduce inflammation, can move chi and blood, and basically help to eliminate stagnation that causes pain. What about the area of nutrition? And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on this one, Alex. I've had this debate with many Chinese medicine practitioners, actually, about things like vitamin D deficiency. When Chinese medicine was created, uh, everybody worked outside. There really were no vitamin D deficiencies back then. Today, there are rampant vitamin D deficiencies. <clears throat> Are you teaching your students to you know, be aware of some of those fundamental nutritional 
elements today or yeah within our curriculum we have um, a large western component probably at least a quarter of our curriculum academic curriculum is biomedicine and within that particular component of biomedicine we have two quarters of western clinical nutrition Hmm. and so we teach um, things like vitamins minerals enzymes you know foods different kinds of food components and that kind of understanding to our TCM students so that they do have an understanding of Western nutrition. Now they also have two quarters of Asian nutrition. Mm -hmm, So they get to sort of hybridize the two systems and understand when does someone need vitamin D and when does someone need, you know, to stop eating ice cream and maybe (laughs) drink some warm tea once in a while. Right. Yeah. So it's a two-way street and it's embracing both systems and bringing the strengths of each system to bear on you know your your interview and your working with the client. I think that's so important because I mean that holistic type of education. I've seen people graduate from energy healing schools, for example. They treat everything with energy healing when the person may just be extremely deficient in something, or they may have a an energy channel that's stagnant and just needs to be opened up. I mean, you can't treat everything with one system, right? This is true. You've got to open up. Exactly. You know, Chinese medicine has its major strengths. And it also has some significant weaknesses. We know the strengths. We know the weaknesses as practitioners. And that's why we many times will embrace this integrative approach to medicine. Because Western medicine, sometimes energy medicine, sometimes psychotherapy, all these things help to round out the whole gestalt of what it will possibly take to bring someone back into balance. Uh, Absolutely, and some of the miraculous results I've seen from Chinese medicine, by the way, include fertility and even psychosis. I've seen people completely change the way their brain works and their brain chemistry from changing the way their body uses energy. Exactly. It's a matter of is is there too much energy um, in one part of the body that's disturbing the mind? You know, and if there is, move some of that energy so it can be utilized in a better, more efficient place somewhere else. So it's a matter of balance. Isn't it also true that, that many pharmaceutical companies are are now searching the treasure chest of Chinese herbal medicine to try to find tomorrow's you know miracle drug? Yes, they are doing that. And I have a little bit of an issue with that. <laughs> you know, and the issue is that Chinese herbal medicine works in a synergistic fashion all the different herbal components and even with one plant all the different components of that plant work together in order to bring about a therapeutic effect if you extract what you consider to be the essence like the one molecule of that particular plant to do your bidding in terms of therapy you're losing a great deal of the potential for a greater healing but Western science is all about isolation. Yes, it, unfortunately it is. You can only test one chemical at a time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the issue of bio, biopiracy? Because we, you know, when Chinese people steal American software, it's called piracy. But when American drug companies steal Chinese medicine molecules, it's called research. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, they're, they're just stealing the molecules from Chinese medicine. Yes. I don't know what to say. I think it's an unfortunate... Uh, perspective that they hold because they're missing the point. They're looking for one specific active ingredient and the active ingredient diminishes without the other components 
that are involved in the whole process, the other active ingredients of the plant, or the synergistic way in which herbal formulas work together. So I think you can have, obviously, therapeutic effect with isolating different molecules, but I think it's missing the point of bringing things together within a greater system. You know, and I think the more you can bring things together, like integrative medicine, integrative medicine is bringing different systems together so that you have a greater effect rather than one modality trying to do everything. It's the same thing with the pharmaceutical industry. If they're taking one chemical and trying to make it do everything, they're missing the point. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take another quick break here, but we'll come right back. Stay with us here on the Health Ranger Show. As we continue our interview with Alex Holland, the co-founder of the Asian Institute of Medical Studies in Tucson, Arizona. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. And we are back here on the Health Ranger Show in an interview with Alex Holland, the co-founder of the Asian Institute of Medical Studies and the author of a book called Voices of Chi which is available everywhere. And you just look for it in bookstores or online that teaches you the fundamentals of Chinese medicine and just Eastern thinking about health, the way the body works, the way energy moves and so on. Very interesting book, you should check that out. Now, my question to you, Alex, in this segment is that you know I hang out with a lot of Chinese medicine practitioners, and I mean some really hardcore practitioners who you know who study the ancient texts and, and things like that. And I've noticed that for these people, they are not at all afraid of global pandemics. They know they can survive that with Chinese medicine. You know, this is stuff they're not going to say publicly, right? And maybe you can't either. But I'm going to say it. These people are not afraid of cancer. They know that they can overcome cancer. They're not afraid of degenerative disease. Why is that? Why do, why do Chinese medicine practitioners have such confidence in their, their system of, of medicine? I think it's because it has to do with a couple things. One is balance. One is finding the balance within yourself, finding out what works best for you, and then utilizing that balance in how you live your life and finding the balance in your relationship to society and the world. And so the idea being if the world runs amok, if you're not balanced with the world, you might end up with some, some troubles. But if you're balanced within yourself and the world kind of runs amok, you have yourself to fall back on. And I think that internal sense of um, integrity of your energy, your health, gives you a sense of um, you can, in a sense, overcome obstacles as they present from outside. I do believe that traditional Chinese medicine practitioners would, you know, I think that they can and logically and reasonably feel very secure in terms of a pandemic breakout of like bird flu or something like that. I'm not so sure about cancer, but I, the thing that I will say about cancer is that if you're balanced within yourself, the idea that cancer can take root in your system um, has much less um, effect. I mean, it holds less water. I think if you're really healthy in mind, body, and spirit, that cancer has less of a chance to take hold in your system. Mm -hmm. It always could, yes, because there are external factors like major radiation that maybe <laughs> yeah. one can't overcome. You're taking a stroll through Chernobyl. Yes, exactly. Probably. You know, you, and that's part of the balance. When you're when you're balanced in mind, body, and spirit, you're not going to take a stroll through Chernobyl. <laughs> you know, you would know better. 
And so I think one of the reasons traditional Chinese medicine practitioners feel so good about their medicine is because it has to do with how it it makes them feel, mm -hmm. and it makes them feel good. It makes them feel balanced. It doesn't make them necessarily feel invincible, but it makes them feel strong and that they can deal with whatever comes their way. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I, uh, no one has, has told me that they feel invincible, but that they feel confident, yes, able to adapt and overcome any of these challenges that typically scare a lot of people. Yes. What about the future of medicine in our nation? Now, we have, there's a lot of talk about healthcare reform, but so far, it's not really meaningful. It's just about who pays for sickness. When we get to the point of real reform, what role do you think Chinese medicine will have in the future of genuine health care in Western societies, not just America, but, but including America? Well, I would like to see traditional Chinese medicine practitioners in all hospitals, in all clinics. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see them working with Western physicians. I would like to see naturopaths involved, homeopaths involved, people who study energy medicine, mind-body medicine, all these people working together in a regular manner and a consortium of sorts to help bring about the best effects, therapeutic interventions for their clients. Because different medicines have different strengths and we need to recognize the strengths of different medicines and use those strengths together and integrate them so that we can have a healthcare system that really works rather than puts bandages on people. But getting to that point though requires the American Medical Association, for example, and its physicians to give up territory, so to speak, because they want to control all medicine, all symptoms, all healing modalities or treatment modalities. Yes. They would have to give up some territory and work with others who they today really look down upon. Is that doable? Yes, I do think it's doable. Oh, I, I think, I mean, I tend to be optimistic. I think that once Western medicine starts recognizing the limitations of their medicine and starts seeing that other modalities might actually be able to play a greater role in health, that they would be willing to give up some of that territory for the benefit of the species. I mean, it's one of those things where we have to look outside our own ego gratification to help other people. This is like, it's time for service to others. Service to others has to be a major role here for the evolution of the medicine. Well, I agree with you, Alex, but I think you vastly overestimate the uh, <laughs> compassion of traditional, uh, um, you know, pharmaceutical medicine here. In yes, it could be, but I will say this. I will say that the many, many dozens and dozens and dozens of physicians that I have met through Andrew Wiles' program of integrative medicine, they all embrace integrated medicine. They're all very excited about what they can do once they understand what other modalities can do. And so they're giving up that turf and embracing an integrative model. And I think that's truly the key. Well, those people are clearly the pioneers. Yes, that, they are. And I, I've met many of those physicians who are in Andrew Weil's program as well. And you're right. They get it. They get it. And hopefully they are the future of integrative medicine. Well, you know, the people who graduate, the physicians who graduate from that program go out into the world and they go to other universities and medical schools and they start integrative models. And so these seeds are being spread everywhere. And I'm hopeful because of these types of programs that um, there will be a mindset shift in uh, the American Medical Association.
Isn't there already a, a shift in terms of consumer demand? Yes. I mean, more and more people are simply seeking out non-toxic therapies. This is true. You know, <laughs> why take a pharmaceutical that could kill you <laughs> when you could go get treated by something that's not dangerous? Yes, this is true. And I think that's part of the whole thing of awakening the public to the possibilities of alternative therapies. I think the public is actually a little bit further ahead than many Western physicians in terms of understanding what true health is about. True health is not about the absence of disease. True health is about feeling balanced, whole within yourself as an individual. And, and word keeps spreading because those those clients who are successfully treated by yes. Chinese medicine, they tell all their friends, I've noticed. Exactly. They get really excited. Yes, that's true. They're like, wow, I, I'm pregnant for the first time, a woman might say, even though she's been through $50,000 of infertility treatments with you know egg harvesting and right. all the stuff they do there, injecting chemicals. Yeah. And now she's pregnant because of acupuncture. And it could be just one little dietary change. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. And a couple needles, and that's it. You'd be amazed. So... It is this paradigm shift that's happening. It's happening right now. It means this is an exciting time to be alive and be witnessing these changes. I would agree. So if you're listening and this is intriguing to you, you can check out Alex Holland's school. You may want to come to Tucson and become a student yourself. Go to asianinstitute.edu and look at the curriculum. See if this is something that interests you. One thing that I've noticed, Alex, is that a lot of our listeners and readers are practicing nurses. And most nurses, by the way, have very open hearts. They're very much into healing and want to help patients. True. But they feel stifled by the system. They are frustrated with the doctors often. Right. Or the system, the hospitals, the pharmaceutical companies. They want to heal. And do you have a lot of nurses who have gone through your we program? We actually have had quite a few nurses go through our program. We have a number of nurses in the program now. And the one thing that's kind of neat about being a nurse and coming into the program is that much of the Western biomedical courses that you would be required to take if you were not a nurse or a physician, you don't have to take. Mm -hmm. So it shortens the length of the program. And they also start taking this mindset back into the hospitals. And I think possibly by the time they graduate in two or three years, say, that things will have started to shift within hospitals and alternative clinics and things as well. So they're, it's like the paradigm shift is occurring and they're ahead of the game. And by the time they graduate, there could be a good chance that they may fit right into a new system. Indeed. And, and that, that new system, it seems, is going to be sought after across Western society, just if for economic reasons, for no other. True. Because who can afford to maintain sickness through high-profit pharmaceuticals? This I is mean, true. That's not sustainable. It's true. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today here, and I wish you, your school, and all your students the best of success. Thank you very much, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Folks, you've been listening to an interview with Alex Holland, the Asian Institute of Medical Studies in Tucson, Arizona. You'll find the website online at asianinstitute.edu, and Alex's book is called Voices of Chi, which you can find at bookstores online and also brick-and-mortar bookstores right there in your local community. So check that out. And thank you for listening. You can find a full transcript of this interview on our website, naturalnews.com. Take care of your health, and we'll talk to you again soon. 